This is El Paisano Media, and you're listening to EPM Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rio Hondo's Pretty Neat Podcast, the podcast where we talk about stuff that's pretty neat. I'm your host, Brandon Ramirez, and in this episode, well, this episode is special. It's actually our very first follow-up episode. Yeah, that's right, we're already doing two-parters. If you remember the episode before the last one, uh, we had an episode called Nostalgic Preservation. And if you've been listening to these episodes, then you know Nostalgic Preservation was a very important episode to me because of how it covered a lot of preserving media, and I talked a lot about my opinions on uh, preserving media and why I think it's important. I also mentioned, gave a little shout out, to the folks over at the Lost Media Wiki, specifically Dicate. I just want to say really big shout out to Dicate. He's the founder of the Lost Media Wiki. Um, I had the pleasure of having a little correspondence with him through email where I asked him a couple questions to get insight to the Lost Media Wiki and what drives the people who go out and really look for a lot of this stuff and get a little bit of insight to some of my favorite searches and some of the stuff that I was really interested in when I first started getting into Lost Media and really still now I'm really interested in. Um, So I kind of just wanted to go over uh, his answers and the answers of some of the other more active members of the Lost Media Wiki with regards to some of the questions that I asked. And then uh, I wanted to close out this episode giving some insight into stuff that I've done, um, stuff that I do, and offer a, a little bit of insight to people who might be curious or interested in looking into getting into some of this stuff. So, what's, what is the Lost Media Wiki? Since this episode is going to be super duper heavily focused on LMW, uh, I figure a great way to start this episode off, besides my usual rambling, would be to actually explain what is the Lost Media Wiki. Well, it's a repository of lost media, basically. So uh, the topics of these lost medias are like the focuses or... I guess, the items that are actually being searched for are in various levels of being found. Some of them are completely found, some of them are partially found, and some of them are basically just down to leads. And um, the, the details of exactly what they're looking for varies and stuff like that. You know, there's still the the mystique behind it with a lot of the stuff that's being searched for, but regardless, it's uh, it's essentially both a repository and a community of media that's lost and people that want to look for it. So I, when I reached out, I wasn't actually expecting to get a response from Dicate himself, um, but I was very thankful for it. And he got back to me and I had asked him a couple of like relatively broad, but also questions that I thought would offer enough insight, you know, because giving people enough free form to sort of answer, I thought, you know, hey, we'd get some good answers. So let's, without further ado, let's hop into some of the questions that I asked him and some of the answers that I got back. So I hope you're excited because I sure am. Alrighty, so I started off our little pseudo interview with a question. What is some of the oldest media ever found by the Lost Media Wiki? He offers some really cool insight. He said, uh, the one that immediately comes to mind for me is a 1956 episode of The Adventures of Naughty called Naughty and the Moon. And he linked the video. Um, If you get the chance, it's on YouTube. It's called Naughty and the Moon. Uh, Filmmaker slash film collector in Germany personally reached out 
to me via the LMW email after he happened to come across our Adventures of Naughty page and realized that he was in the possession of one of the then lost episodes, Naughty and the Moon, which is the name of the show. I bought the 16mm reel off him in 2019 and ended up having it digitized and released the year after. As far as we can tell, the last time it was publicly shown was in a 1963 broadcast, which feels pretty incredible to think that we helped bring something back that hadn't been seen in over 50 years. And uh, just a slight disclaimer for this episode, <laughs> because things have been pretty hectic lately. There's an air freshener in my room <laughs> where I record and an air freshener in the hallway right outside where I record. They're automatic. They're going to be going off. I'm sorry if you hear it in the audio. Very uh, big apologies. But anyways, back to his answer. Um, this question, and he'll talk again uh, later in the interview. He talked again about uh, Naughty and the moon. And to me, it blows my mind that like, listen, I know I understand that like over 50 years might not seem like a lot, but the way I like to put things into perspective is quarter of a century kind of way. You know what I mean? Talking like that. And when you think of like half a century, that kind of puts it into perspective, like how much stuff has changed and how different things are. And, and like, okay, I'm 22. So, uh, early stuff for me was like PlayStation 2, you know, San Andreas and stuff like that. And with the release of like the remasters recently, um, I feel like this specific answer was very poignant to me because I really sat down and thought when I was reading over this first, like back when he first got back to me, I couldn't help but think about like how strange it is that there's there's something we can really hold on to that we have our own memories around and that we have our own uh, you know stories to tell surrounding that somebody else like had their entire like you know like somebody else had an entirely different completely isolated from our own interaction interaction with it like to me that just I don't know it was it was an aspect of it that like kind of mold around in my mind and this has happened to me before when I think about stuff like this where I'm like man this means something completely different to me than it meant to somebody else and I don't know I just thought I thought that was a little interesting thought and I I really I don't know this answer like set me down like a five minute rabbit hole thoughts <laughs> from <laughs> regarding like <laughs> my relationship with media that doesn't belong to my generation i guess um so my second question was what forms of media are most often lost and his answer was internet media by far just because of the massive scale of content constantly passing through youtube servers and whatnot before much of it is inevitably deleted day by day but i would also add commercials to that list a lot of people don't tend to hold commercials in the same regard as shows. They bookend when it comes to archive. Ar <laughs> Sorry, they bookend when it comes to archival. To the point where there's this 2007 Australian ad. This I'm sorry. This answer genuinely made me laugh because I know this feeling. Where there's a, to the point where there's this 2007 Australian ad. I have been searching for for months and have not been able to find. Not really that old in the grand scheme of things, but because nobody really thought of it as being valuable to archive, it's not available. Of course, some of those lost ads are sitting unnoticed in commercial compilations on YouTube and such, but it's just such a vast field with so much content produced every year and it's all treated rather ephemerally compared to other forms of media. So yeah. I'd say those two stand out most to me in that regard. And this, okay, listen, like last last episode regarding this stuff, I harped on internet media. So let's talk about commercials. And uh, in the end, towards the end of the episode, we'll talk a little bit again about commercials and stuff like that because um, 
bumps and stuff is something I really wanted to discuss. But that's true. Like, think about commercials from your childhood, regardless if you're in my age group or not. You know, there's commercials that are just, boom, wild. Like, and I don't mean that in the way of like, oh, you know, they're crazy or whatever. But I mean like, boom, wild as in, they, they, they actually serve some kind of weird cultural imprint. I think of things specifically like the freecreditreport.com stuff. Like, no joke, sometimes I'll be at work and I'll just be like, F-R-E-E, that's bills free, creditreport.com, baby. Like, it's it's weird that <laughs> that commercial is, like, really old, but I still remember it. And I think he, um, you know, this this answer was also extremely insightful to the mind of, like, somebody who's coming into this, like, fresh, but also kind of uh, very insightful to people who are already kind of interested in it or... interested in it as like an auxiliary you know they're not necessarily involved in 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 actually searching for stuff but they're a viewer they're a consumer of 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 found and preserved media and that's uh, another thing that i think is really important another aspect of this and his answer that is very important to me which is the archival aspect of it because archiving this stuff is important because think about it it's yes you're archiving important forms of art like you know tv shows or movies and things like that yeah but commercials also play a part in that because just like i said in uh, part one of this two-parter uh you know there's there's a lot of aspects of a society of a culture that are ingrained in in what they consume for entertainment and it's become more obvious and more more ingrained uh like more inseparable right as time has went on because of the advancements of technology and the influence of of like a lot of different things but you know that's that's really important that we also make an effort to save things as i guess mundane or seemingly inconsequential as commercials because they also play a part in preserving an aspect of society, of culture, and of, uh, you know, patterns, I guess, of, of, of an era, of a time, and, you know, they help add to that snapshot that preserving and archiving media does. So the third question I asked was, um, and this is, you know, like I said, I wanted, there's some stuff that I was kind of wanted to know selfishly, and it's uh, some stuff that I mentioned in the last episode. So if you listen to these back to back and you skip over the the uh, um, Halloween spooktacular, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So I asked, when something requires an investigation, how are those set up? One of the most famous searches come, that comes to mind how do investigations like the one for a day of SpongeBob, a day with SpongeBob, get organized? Sorry, it's literally midnight and I'm very tired, so I'll probably be like having to re-say these things. Are we editing that out? No, we're not, because this is a cool podcast and you get to hear my mistakes. I just edit out my burps. So, all right, cool. All right, so their answer was the a day with spongebob search was actually a bit different to the community-wide searches we organize these days since we didn't have a discord back then nor did we have anywhere official in lmw terms for immediate discussion to take place in an organized manner so we did that one in a skype group chat and aside from it taking place on skype it was pretty much the same concept we currently use i guess just that SpongeBob, that the SpongeBob search had admittedly less leadership and role assignments, and was messier for it. When we and to that point, before we continue with his answer, um, I, there was a lot of weird like game jacking, as if this would have been like an ARG. That's the only thing that I can think to like compare it to. 
uh, given you know it being like an internet-based search where like people just like come in with hoaxes and lies and like weird conspiracies which added to the mystique of it but uh, getting back to his answer um when we do a search like that clockman the on the hunt series of searches etc it's important to establish leadership roles to make sure things don't go off the rails it's also important to establish specific roles for search members researcher contact team signal booster etc to make sure that the already done work isn't needlessly repeated but also and more importantly to avoid inundating any creators with messages about the same thing which I remember hearing kind of did happen with a, a search for a day with SpongeBob. Uh, there was a dude who just like flipped his lid on somebody, at least one person. So, yeah. Um, coming back to the answer. Aside from that kind of structural team building stuff, I'd also add things like keeping track of any YouTube, Vimeo, IA, whatever videos that have been checked, if applicable for things like commercials, etc having a publicly accessible archive of all the information gathered so far in a nice, succinct, and digestible form. Google Docs, Trello, and things of that nature tend to work well for this. And or pinning all the important leads and pieces of info in the, in the relevant Discord server in a tidy manner. So, even it from his admission uh, in the closing of his answer. I know I'm leaving out a bunch of more intricate strategies we use and mindsets we have when it comes to these things, but those are generally the steps we take to prepare for searches. So I was like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to be honest and dedicate if you end up listening to this episode. Wow. (laughs) Like this, this, this was it. Like this was my selfish question because I was wilding out when I was reading this the first time. I was like, yo, like, okay, I knew the a search for the search for a day with SpongeBob was like kind of messy and weird. And from me, you know, skimping around <laughs> the lost media wiki, I already knew um, that it was really structured and super, uh, I, I love the way you said that. It's super succinct and, and neat and tidy and I'm not gonna lie I geeked out when I was like yo like you guys have have contact teams and stuff like that and from listening to stories about the a day with Spongebob search and understanding now how you've explained the the general way of exploring and, and, and investigating stuff I was like, that's, it's so much more professional and a a lot more well put together. And there's something that's like super exciting to me about that. I I can't really put it into words, but it's like the idea of like, it reminds me of getting like a posse together in the old West and a mix of that. And then like, just, it's wild to me. It's really cool. And I really hope that the listeners also thought that that was really cool because that is insane the idea that like you're getting a, you're getting the boys together you know you're getting you're getting the the getting everybody together we're looking into this what's going on and it's all free form like this isn't this is like a passion project which is incredible to me the idea that like there's there's leadership in that which is I don't know, it's just awesome it's, it's really cool really insightful and i think it's very illustrative of the dedication it takes to be a part of this kind of community you know it's cool i like it, it it's awesome <laughs> it, it, this answer really made me geek out i'm sorry <laughs> anyways anyways before i start getting super nerdy uh my fourth question was has lost media become more popular has this hurt or helped searches and his answer was pretty expected uh he said definitely and both he gave me a little giggle uh he says as with any big or growing online group fandoms whatever you want to call them the percentage of troublemakers is just naturally going to grow going to rise with that growth 
no matter how good of an admin or mod team you have. And that has proven true a few times with people trying to make hoax pieces of lost media and things that like that spreading misinformation but nothing that has been too damaging in the grand scheme of things at the same time having more eyes on us has definitely helped get certain pieces found or at the very least given some pieces a lot more exposure and likely sped up the process of them being potentially found it's a double-edged sword but one that feel that i feel has benefited us more than it has hindered us, so I can't complain. Not gonna lie, <laughs> kind of expected an answer like this, because, you know, you just have to be somewhat familiar with online communities and, and stuff like that to kind of know that, you know, there's there's a bad apple in every bunch and with how cool uh, lost media comes off as and and you know being like a great place to find creepy stuff of course there's going to be troublemakers of course there's going to be people who want to make weird stuff hoax stuff and given the fact that like you know lost media can vary so much it it seems like a really easy breeding ground for creepy pasta stuff. That's the first stuff that came to mind for me. I I, I don't know, uh, decade didn't really give me any um, specifics, but that's the first stuff that comes to mind for me. Um, would be like creepy pasta stuff. You know, people want to be like, oh, Candle Cove is real or something. You know what I mean? Weird stuff like that. And I could definitely see that being a little hindering, but like like he said, in the grand scheme of things, I really don't think it is. And I think some of that might come down to, again, the passion of the people involved and the organization that is really developed extremely well in in LMW. You know, even from the outside looking in, it's so it's really well put together. And, and like I can't say that enough because it's it's incredible to think that it's just passionate people doing this you know it's to me that alone is insightful but anyways question number five i asked him what searches were the most impactful or notable and uh his answer was this is going to be a biased answer because it's pretty much all the ones that I was directly, <laughs> directly hands-on with that stick out to me. So, Cracks, aka Crack Master, Clockman, Rhapsody Street Kids. I'm pretty sure that's Rhapsody Street Kids. Oh my, did I just, I messed that up. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I know what this is. It's just reading it. I'm just, I can't say, it's one of those things. You can't say it when you're reading it. Anyways. Rhapsody Street Kids, Naughty in the Moon. Though I would say Cracks transcends them all in terms of notability. Because, simply because of how mysterious that short still is, we still have no idea who made it, why it was removed from rotation, or why it was kept so secret for such a long time. Clockman being found was also huge for us, because for a long time people didn't even believe that it existed. So that gave a lot of people something of a wake-up call when it came to being so immediately dismissive about possible lost media. I think that really helped change a lot of perceptions and just reminded people that not every story that originates online is fictional and that some things are worth digging further into. Now guys, I just want you to take a second to think about that think about that a little bit you can't believe everything you read online but not everything is a lie isn't that wild <laughs> isn't that crazy <laughs> that the world is full of possibility right and that idea is not isolated to just talking about generalizations, but can be applied to pretty much everything. Like, what? 
if you guys don't know about Clockman, please, please, please go and watch the Blame It on George video about it. Extremely in-depth. But the gist of it was somebody remembered a creepy short about an old dude coming out of clock and kidnapping somebody, right? Wild, weird, confusing. And not really great when it came to, like, detail. Fuzzy, extremely fuzzy. It was a memory, a burning memory, if you will. That's that's for my depressive fans out there. But yeah, it's wild to think that from, like, this really bad <laughs> memory that somebody just like was like man you know this is really bothering me i feel like i remember this was i freaking out i don't know it essentially like a did anybody else see this or was i tweaking from one of those the community came together and found it they they found <laughs> they found clockman they found the short it was on like the the full short it's on youtube you can go watch it right now i I just watched it the other day and it, it, it's preserved it it transcends you know because it, it was mysterious it's wild crack uh, crack master also wild to me um but Clockman specifically always stands out to me because i'm like yeah it, it had all the aspects of it. it had the little creepy factor it had it had a uh, community being like nah but also being like hmm there's just i i cannot do it justice with me being so out, <laughs> not necessarily pressed for time but but you know trying to be succinct with um my episodes can't really go into it so i'm just gonna say please go and watch that blame it on george video about it because it is quite the story it really really is i i'm just constantly in awe when remembering or, or whenever that's brought up because i'm just it's incredible to think about and again i've been harping on this you know for a lot of this episode already but it's incredible to think about like what somebody who's just passionate can, can do when they have a community of people who are just as passionate or involved uh, with something or with with that same thing around them it's it's crazy it's wild um anyways uh to continue this slightly emotional trend i i went uh my sixth and final question or uh, almost final question. It, it it you'll see what I mean. My my uh what what what's what's the word seminal right? I don't know. Uh, I, might, I might be wrong. That might be weird. Anyways, second to last question. My sixth question was, what drives you personally, and what do you think drives the LMW community as a whole? And he said, what drives me personally is maybe the hardest question to answer out of all of them because it's changed over time. To be honest, the drive really first hit me when Crybaby Lane was found in 2011. Seeing this movie that I had read about for years prior and that most people had chalked up to being nothing but a creepypasta, it was exhilarating. So I started chasing that thrill. And before I knew it, by the end of 2012, had a wiki created with a small but enthusiastic following. Over the years, though, I feel like the driving force has drifted from seeing lost media get found to me taking more of a personal responsibility for the wiki itself, its upkeep, its moderation, etc. We have a wonderful mod team who make things a lot easier for me, but I guess I just never really saw it getting as big as it's gotten. To the point where I would have to take more of a backseat to searching and instead focus on the infrastructure side of things since at the end of the day, it is my responsibility. So yeah, truth be told, simply keeping the site up to date and keeping the community happy or as close to happy as I can (laughs) is the biggest driving force for me right now. I just want to do right by our users to the best of my judgment and abilities. That's not to say I don't still enjoy getting involved with actual searches, because I absolutely do, 
I still chat on the Discord just about every day. But when you've been doing this kind of thing for nearly 10 years, well, you start to crave a bit more variety. Still, I love what I do. I love this community, and it's a privilege to have been able to create something that I could bring so many people together. So, I don't plan on giving up anytime soon. As for the community as a whole, I think it really comes back to that same feeling I first experienced in 2011. Seeing something lost get found is exhilarating. That, and the mystery of it all, it's eerie in a way. Even when it comes to kids' content, why was this hidden for so long? What's wrong with it? It's almost a mindset that people automatically go into lost media with, which I suspect is why many people think of lost media as both creepy and fascinating, even if it's the content. Even if the content ultimately ends up being harmless, the mystery of the mystery of the unknown, you know? And then, just being able to witness something that you know hasn't been seen for a long time. It feels very fulfilling. All the more, all the more so if you had a hand in helping it come to light. It's really one of the most satisfying things I've ever experienced. So yeah, in short, I'd attribute the main driving force behind our community as a being a mix of the curiosity and eeriness that comes with the unknown and the thrill of experiencing a successful hunt. It's addicting. It's an addicting combination for sure. So I also asked if he can ask others in in the uh, community and he did. So I'm going to read you guys off a couple more answers to that specific question. So Reynard said, what drives me is a sense of closure, of completion. It's just fitting that any show, movie, or miscellaneous media is accessible to the public in its entirety. When this is denied, it just feels wrong. Mavian said, I would say what personally drives me is seeing... Sorry, I'm very sorry, I'm very tired. Sorry, Mavian. Mavian said, I would say what personally drives me is seeing have been and what once was there. The vast amount of projects that were almost completed. Media that was once there and was so impactful or just never got the momentum to continue. Media you could at one point in your life have come across and or could have been or even was a game changer for the industry. And that's that's something I might want to talk about a little bit later, but hey, we'll get to it when we get to it. Tommy's shadow said, Tommy's shadow said, what drives me is seeing people get so excited to finally play a video game that they fondly remembered and that they didn't and that they hadn't been able to play because it became lost. I get the opportunity to see the impact my work is having. In contrast, my real job is in retail, Retail, and I like my job, but I don't really get that kind of direct feedback from it. If I know that I have re- the required knowledge to, uh, to solve a problem that nobody else is likely to ever solve, fixing a developer build of a game that doesn't work, writing a server emulator for a dead multiplayer game, etc., I'm motivated to help people because I know they're desperate enough that they would absolutely spend the time to solve the problem themselves if only they knew where to start. Tommy Shadow, I love you, buddy. <laughs> like, I might, I'm honestly getting a little emotional because I'm, this, that, that, that answer hits really close to home. Um, growing up, I was an avid player of PlayStation Home, and there's a home preservation product. Um, I mean, um, project that is, um, you know, been built um, to try to uh, recreate and and uh, preserve servers from PlayStation Home and. The idea that somebody is out there 
with the skills to do these things and wants to actually do them. Um, to me, that's a godsend to communities uh, that build around games that, you know, uh, especially coming... Um, I think this is something that's becoming more relevant as, as we move away from physical products and more towards... Um, you know, di digitally owned copies of games and stuff like that. Uh, the, these vast uh, communities that have, have grown around these um, interactive pieces of art are at risk of being lost forever if the servers close down. And it, it's just it's just very meaningful. Um, this answer really really hit close to home and I, I i hope you know uh you dear listener understand why i found it so insightful and important so continuing on t-bird said for me what drives me to the community is the idea that there exists media that were either lost or were available to the general public at one point fascinated me in the most historical way if you were to think about it i think the essential part of the lmw community are like-minded people who usually has one goal to unearth a treasure trove of lost media so that they can be available to the general public once again though the reality of it is that there are just some forms of media that can slash should never be seen again whether through passage of time or for illegal reasons. And listen, um, once we get towards the end of this episode and the closeout of the episode, I'm going to talk about some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, the weird, the weirder side of this. But again, uh, T-Bert's answer is extremely insightful. Um, you know what? Forget it. We're not talking about this at the end of this episode. We're talking about it now. T-Bert is extremely insightful uh, with this because this is an aspect I feel like outsiders don't necessarily think about when 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 uh, you know they first hear about lost media and the lost media wiki but there's definitely some stuff that should probably stay hidden you know there's for lack of a better uh, way of putting it uh there's there's forbidden knowledge out there I think uh, that would be better off left you know, unknown. Um, moving forward. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm so sorry, but it's Arno. Ar Arno, I'm dumb. It's Arno. What, dri what drives me is the thrill of discovery. So many different pieces of lost content have rich histories. To think that there are people in the world who experience some of these pieces of media firsthand and to have that disappear for whatever reason is chilling. In a way, the community can be seen as an archaeologi archaeological site that strives to uncover forgotten memories. To find at least one of these is satisfying enough. But that passion only increases with every extra minute on the wiki. And listen um a little bit of bro brandon uh my girlfriend is uh, actually very very into uh history and archaeology um and you know um anthropology and often i've sat down and talked to her about the anthropological importance of media preservation and modern aspects of anthropology and really Arno I, I can't stress how much I agree with you that that it, it, it's 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 of historical importance and there's so much stuff that gets passed by now that I'm like you know in the 1700s everything was written down because they didn't have tv and now that we have the internet we kind of need to make actually make the effort to save a lot of this stuff and I, I i just can't say how much i agree with you you know because it, you basically took the words out of my mouth when it comes to to 
media preservation. Zombie says, as a whole, we're a diverse community. And I think a lot of that draw that comes from how accessible some lost media is to look for. That being said, having a diverse community comes with a with the quirk of meeting people with all kinds of motivations. As for myself, I feel I have a certain responsibility when it comes to finding and archiving media. I figure that I might as well spend my time finding something that will last much longer than I will, rather than just letting it fade into obscurity. At the end of the day, somebody has to do it. Somebody's got to find stuff, and that's us. <laughs> Zombie. That's that's such a cool answer. Why do you guys have to be so cool? I'm sorry. Listen, you guys have to know I'm a fan of these people, so. To me, it's like, I'm talking to Vin Diesel. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing I can add to that because that, that that's true. Like, there's a lot of the people who are involved in this have a sense of responsibility regarding what they're doing uh you know that just just a little bit above I mean, tommy's shadow talked about you know the sense the sense of responsibility and I, I, it's just it's incredible you know these these people are making an effort to make <laughs> immortalize the lives of people that are oftentimes at decades gone you know what i mean like like it, it, <sighs> Terrible timing, air freshener, but thank you for keeping me from getting emotional. So, <laughs> moving forward, Mallow says, I feel one of the things that drives people into this community is the feeling of diving into the unknown. That feeling of something not being available to see or hear and just wanting to know is it hiding from you. The sheer amount of curiosity that overflows in you just wondering what could lead to something everyone remembers seeing just vanishing off the face of the earth without warning and leaving and living on as a memory in so many people and wanting to know if those memories of all these people are remembering correctly. That was the draw for me. The sense of mystery and curiosity is what led me to going to the wiki for the first time and falling down into multiple rabbit holes of all kinds of interesting cases of lost media and learning of all the crazy ways media can get lost. I feel like Alice when I browse the wiki. LMW is my wonderland. And... <laughs> I don't know, that's just really a really beautiful answer I, I that I can't beyond just just agreeing with the Alice in Wonderland allegory I just I mean these these are beautiful answers guys I really hope you <laughs> you guys are like just as fascinated with these answers as I am because that was super that was that was beautiful mellow that was really beautiful um moving forward to uh what spoofers answer was I love the intrigue, the mystery, and just learning about things that are obscure and lost to the general public for the most part. Like, that's... It's, it's succinct. It's a little shorter. But it's also, like... It's... It, it, it again goes back to the, the ideas of, of... Of the sense of responsibility that a lot of these people have. And it, it it's... I know I'm stuttering a lot in this episode, but it's because I think that it's amazing that there's people out there who have a sense of responsibility to try to preserve this stuff. Beautiful Duang says, I would say it's a matter of having people's work preserved no matter what. I think what brings a lot of people into the LMW is wanting to see lost pieces of media from their childhood. And again, like I said, when, uh, when I was re reacting to uh, Tommy's shadow answer, um, it, yeah, you know, you, you, you kind of want to make sure that, that it doesn't die, I guess. 
I don't. It's something that I've I myself have found like um, hard to explain in detail. But I I get. I it was like I know the gist of what I'm trying to say. But other than that, like I can't really put into detail why. But it is kind of like you know when I think about stuff like hi hi puffy yummy yummy and stuff stuff that a lot of other people don't know but that I for some reason imprinted on my mind I'm like I really hope this stuff never goes away so I I I I see exactly where they're coming from and to close close out my interview um, with that kid I I asked one final question I said finally what message. What do you give people about the Lost Media Wiki? He replied, Just that we're always happy to have more people in the community. So we'd love for anyone who is interested to come by and check out the wiki at lostmediawiki.com and to maybe even join the Discord or forums. Links could be found on the wiki right sidebar, just so everyone knows, if they'd like to participate in the searches and discussions. We also have a collaborators section on the homepage where we work with some of the best lost media talents on YouTube today. So I'd highly encourage people to check out the content, their content, if they haven't already. And then he closed out with saying, (laughs) thanks for the interview. And honestly, Dykate and everyone else who answered Thank you for the interview. It was extremely insightful and honestly very touching to read the answers, um, specifically uh, to what drives you, but also um, about the the emotions and sort of like experience of, of being a part of this community. And, you know, I, I find myself becoming more and more interested in it. And while I don't have a lot of time on my hands nowadays, I, I'm often tempted to uh, give whatever time I do to making an effort to preserve some kind of media. And uh, maybe even throwing my hat into the ring with the LMW. We'll see. <laughs> but regardless um like i said i wanted to close this episode out with like stuff that i do and stuff that i feel like you guys can do um to help preserve media and hopefully by now you don't need me to explain why i think it's important or why others think it's important but what can you do well personally i saved all of my ps2 games well like a vast majority of my ps2 games i saved um and anything that I wasn't dumb enough to throw away when I was younger that is like a book or a comic, I just kept my hands on. Why? Well, because there's certain things that get not made anymore, if that makes sense. Um, back in the day, Target used to make like these comic compilations for like Spider-Man comics. And I have like one of them. And I used to have like a bunch. And I don't think they make those anymore. And it's like, well... You, there's gonna be some kids somewhere that was my age when when those came out and they're gonna they're 22 now and they're like dude what the heck i don't remember these at all like where, where can i find more of these i miss these you know what i mean and they they represent an, an aspect i think for a lot of other people especially for me that was like our inter- introduction to comics and stuff like that um and obviously me saving ps2 games i talked about this in the last episode uh matrix the matrix path of neo game is something that i think is like an integral part to the matrix mythos and i feel like it's important to save um with the recent debacle surrounding the uh, definitive versions of the rockstar games i also think that saving hard copies of old games is very very important um i have my original ps2 copy of san andreas and i think that that you know somebody's probably jealous that i have that (laughs) but yeah and you know i have a friend uh more of an acquaintance on um instagram who lives in detroit shout out to that guy uh rough edged if you're listening to this shout out to you but 
he preserves bumps from Toonami. You know, they, they're recorded on VHS, they're digitized, and then they're, uh, quote, I, I guess you could say they're remastered. Um, they're, it's a, not necessarily a super tedious pro- process, but it's, 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 it is, I'm gonna be honest, it's not like the most tedious process, but you know, you have to put a lot of time into it, a lot of effort. And he's, he's made an effort to preserve and remaster these. He's, he's gotten into contact with like other people who are interested in this. And there's, there's vast communities of people who are interested in preserving just the bumps specifically because of like the style and, and, and the whole like cool thing with with Toonami which I don't have time to get into but you know like this episode is already going to be 50 minutes so yeah but to close out save something support support hard copies and save some hard copies you know they're important we can always create the tech to play something We we can always recreate the tech to play something so if you could do your part by saving a hard copy, it, it could help. It could really help, and it'll preserve not only the art itself, but it'll preserve an aspect of the society that you're experiencing right now. Or an aspect of society that you experienced when you were younger, or something like that, you know? Um, these things are important. And I hope that this episode, this follow-up episode to Mental Wealth Number 1 was just as insightful to you as it was to me and helped offer an aspect of why these things are important. Um, And again, I just wanted to say a really big and heartfelt thank you to the community at uh, the Lost Media Wiki and another big thank you to Thor High Heels for the music in this episode. Um, you guys are awesome. Really. Everybody who's helped with the putting together of the show is is phenomenal. You guys don't know how thankful I am, and I can't put it into words. This, this was a, a passion project for me, and I'm going to continue to try to do it as much as I can. And really, I'm just... I'm blown away by how much I've been able to interact with people that I look up to already just because of this show. And hopefully you who's listening think that it's worth preserving. Hopefully you think this show is pretty neat. See you next time.